It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Eagles. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we're breaking down all that is happening with respect to the New York football Giants. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring at 201-939-4513. Can't get to the phone. How about Twitter? Hashtag Giants Chat. You can also directly tweet to each one of us. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the day has arrived tonight. We're going to know the entire 2022 schedule in addition to, of course, the Giants going to London to play the Packers. That is the only thing that at least has been etched <laughs> in stone at this stage. But by tonight, we'll know the entire schedule. So we'll get into a little bit of that, things that maybe players look for when the schedule comes out more so than the opponents. But right off the top, Jeff, I want to start with an announcement that the Giants just made literally right before we kicked off this program. And yeah. there was some speculation, there were reports, but now the Giants have officially confirmed there are some new additions to the player personnel department. And first of all, before we get into the individuals they're adding, we talked about this more often than not, Jeff. When a new GM comes in, a lot of people wonder, well, why isn't that they bring in individuals right as they're hired in January <laughs> or perhaps early February? And the rationale behind that is all of your scouts, everybody in the scouting department, the college department, even the pro personnel department, they have all been doing their jobs going back to the beginning of the season. If a new GM comes in and makes changes, then he's not going to be able to get the information which is relevant to this incoming draft class. That's why it makes more sense. You use the resources you have in-house, you work with them, and then based on how that plays out, after the draft process, you evaluate and you determine whether or not you want to make any tweaks. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, and don't, don't think for a moment that all the people that are in those types of situations understand what's about to happen. You know, it's just sure. it yeah. does. And that's just the nature of the beast. That's exactly what happens in every organization that makes these types of organizational changes. Um, so and also you think about all those scouts and everybody that's working for the upcoming draft and the free agency. They've been working all season. So to your point, Lance, is that they just can't just, you know, cut bait here and then all of a sudden bring in some other people. They're just going to lose a lot of that knowledge and all the scouting that they've already done. So um, and again, it's just like we talk about. The players on the roster, well, you know, the staff in the building is the same thing. New eyes, new guys, right? And so that's my term. I love it. And that's exactly what ends up happening is these guys understand that, that Joe Shane is going to bring in his own guys. And when, you, when we announce who they are, you'll understand a little bit of how this business works, whether it's football or anywhere. It's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> and Relationships. Sometimes, and sometimes it's a little bit of what you know, too. So sure. I think that a lot <laughs> of these guys, they go back to, uh, and they've worked together. They've, they've grown up together, if you will. And obviously, Joe Shane is a guy that's been in the National Football League for a long time. We know that. He's just never been in this position before. But he has come through, uh, you know, he's, he's earned his keep. Uh, through these years and now that he's has some other guys he's going to bring them with him and so that's kind of where it leads to and you know if you're one of the people in the organization when there's a change 
you're hoping that you're doing a good enough job to be able to stay, but that always just sometimes just doesn't happen. Well, and it may have no reflection to your no, point, Jeff, no. on the job you're it doing. It not. may just be that he wants to bring in somebody he exactly. has an established relationship yeah. with, right? Yeah. yeah. And they also have, you know, these guys think alike. So they, they've worked before. They understand how they work together. Um, maybe some of the systems that they were using and some of the other stops that these guys were were together that they can bring back and there's some familiarity with it because you know a lot of times these guys bring in their own things you know they change the whole scouting department as far as the how they put players on their boards and, and things like that like joe shane you remember one of the things that he was asked about at the very beginning about how the scouting department he's they went digital <laughs> you know yeah the old days it was all like the little magnets on the wall and stuff so <laughs> i mean he has to find people that understand this is how i like to do things and it's all about experience i want to find some people that are used to this type of system that i'm going to be working with and you know there's all kinds of things that go into it it's no different than when joe shane and brian dable came in and what happened they signed a lot of former bills players right in right. free agency well why is that because they know those players very well they know the system those players and therefore they felt okay that would be a good starting point a good foundation to build upon so yeah. if we use that parallel jeff and we apply it right. now to the logic of the front office it's not a surprise that joe shane as i go through these names two of the four individuals that he added he had prior relationships with. He worked with one guy in Miami and another guy in Miami and Buffalo. For example, Chris Rossetti, who's now coming in as the director of pro scouting, he's worked in the Dolphins front office for many years. 2021, last year, he was the Dolphins assistant director of pro scouting, so he's now being upgraded to a title where he's now steering the ship. But he had joined the Dolphins as a pro personnel assistant in 2015, and he spent five seasons as a pro scout for the team, and he crossed over with Joe Shane for two of those seasons in Miami in 2015 and 2016. Then Dennis Hickey comes over as the assistant director of player personnel. Okay, well, Hickey was the Dolphins general manager when Joe Shane was in Miami, and then Hickey came over to Buffalo because he knows Shane and Brandon Bean, and in Buffalo, he works side-by-side -side with Joe Shane from 2017 to 2021. They essentially came in together. So <laughs> you're talking about two individuals that, as you were pointing out, they're in sync. They understand each other's philosophies. It's no surprise that he's bringing in two people that he trusts and obviously he respects. So those are the two. And then the other two individuals that were brought in are more of scouts, no connections to Joe Shane. Mike DeReese, national scout, and then Scott Hamill is going to be an area scout focusing on the Southwest Territory. So those yep. are the four individuals that come in, but it pretty much equates to, Jeff, what you and I were talking about earlier. It's a relationship-oriented business from the players all the way to the top of the organization. No question. I think you hit all on every point there. And like the players, you know, a lot of times coaches, uh, they like to have players that came from their system and just how they do things because when you start – to go out on the field and you got some guys that are familiar with the schedule, like how the practices run at certain positions, you know, they can kind of take the lead and get these guys. So, and that's not everything. Trust me. They, they're not bringing those guys in just because they know the practice schedule, but I think it also, <laughs> it happens to help them um, because they can kind of teach the other guys. This is how we do things. This is where Brian day will come from Buffalo. This is how we practice up there. And we had success as you could tell. And so I think that's important. You get some of those guys and, and coaches gravitate to people in their organization and on their rosters that they really like to be around. And for some reason, if they're available, that's even better. They can bring them into the system that they're currently in to help help 
teach these guys how to run a practice and this is how we do things in the locker room. This is how we do things in the meeting. And by the way, those things work because we were a winning football team up in Buffalo. Well, and I think it also goes back to, Jeff, what we were talking about, why you bring in front office people that you have relationships with, the trust factor. If you're a coach and you bring in a player that you worked with for the last three or four years in Buffalo, to your point, not only does he know the system, but maybe he could be an extension of the coaching staff right. so that when it right. comes to the film room and the meeting rooms, he can actually help some of the younger players, especially during the course of the offseason. Remember, Jeff, and there's limitations on how much time a coach can spend with a player. If you already have a player that knows the system, there's nothing from preventing one of the former Buffalo Bills players, like Feliciano, for example. He could have communicated with all of the other offensive linemen during the offseason without the coach's involvement. There's mm-hmm. no rules in play that they couldn't do that. Nope. And maybe that gives them a little bit of a jump start before obviously they return for the spring. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? I mean, it does not hurt at all. So some familiarity with the system, familiarity with the coach, that and in this case, the general manager too, um, it all helps because, you know, you're right, Lance, that the way that the CBA works today, that there's really not a whole lot of time for these coaches to spend with the players anymore. Um, other than during the season, but in the off season, when everything is important to install, important to understand how we how we're putting things together, there's not a lot of teaching time. Listen, I remember when I was playing. Of course, I wasn't involved in any of these types of meetings, but I remember as soon as those guys got off the field, it was into the meeting rooms, and they were in there for two hours. Um, coming off the practice field, there was guys that would stay out there for thirty to forty minutes working with their position coach. At some point in time, the players all of a sudden said, you know what, this is a little bit excessive. <laughs> I don't think that we really need to have all of this type of coaching, and they're just totally taking advantage of us, and that's what happened. And so the CBA, when they, then when they redid it, they said, you know what, we're going to put limits on, on how many hours you can be on the field, how many hours you can be in the facility during the week, how much time you're in meeting rooms, and uh, they really stick to it. And I think that it makes a big difference because coaches – they are creatures of habit, just like the players are, but they take it to the nth degree, man. They will they will spend hours with you if you don't if nobody's cutting you off from them because they just want to they want to get you better because you know what this is all about winning. This whole business is about winning, and the more they can coach you and get you to be a better football player, the better off they have a chance of winning, which means the better off they have a chance of keeping their jobs long term. And so it's all it's all relative. It all goes into one. All of those parts are intertwined, essentially, and it comes right from the bottom of the organization all the way through the top because if the front office knows they're bringing in players that have that character that you're talking about, then that will help them, obviously, make sure they retain their jobs moving forward because there will be some stability, assuming it's associated with winning. So some changes in terms of the front office. No surprise that it comes around this time of the year. And just to give you another parallel If you remember, Jeff, Joe Shane and Brandon Bean both came in, interestingly, around this time to Buffalo. The hiring came a little bit later than what we saw with respect to the Giants because the Bills didn't make changes to their front office until after the draft process ended. They wanted to keep the front office. Then after the draft ended, they made a change. Brandon Bean came in. He brings in Joe Shane from... Miami, and then all of a sudden they start putting together little by little the pieces of the front office. But even Joe Shane mentioned they didn't start to make drastic changes themselves until the following year Mm. after the draft ended. Because, you know, once again, and you can attest to this, Jeff, the process for next year's draft goes immediately into rhythm. You know, you're already now starting to map out where your scouts are going to go for 2022 season 
who you're going to prioritize for the 2023 draft class. It's cyclical, no different than what happens with the coaches where the season ends. You're now looking at free agency and thinking about what you have to do with closing out meetings with your current players and making decisions on extensions and so forth. It's never ending. I yeah. mean, this uh, the National Football League has has evolved into a you know 365 days of <laughs> straight through. There's no breaks anymore. Nonstop. And it's just like you said. As soon as the draft's over, if you read any of well, nobody reads newspapers, but if you're on the <laughs> internet and you're going through some of these things, they're already starting to talk about the top picks for the 23 draft already. So it's just this is how it starts. And and to your point, these guys got to. They got to move on and they got to start putting their stuff together. And the sooner the better. They want to get these these guys organized and get them in your new system and the new organization. Get them to lay the land and then let them go do what they're supposed to do. Well, that's why Monday we're going to be holding our first 2023 mock draft. So stay tuned for that right here on uh, Big Blue <laughs> yeah. Kickoff Live. Uh, Jeff and I are extremely excited about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, somewhere, somewhere Mel Kuyper has got his uh, computer out and he's already starting to put that together, I'm sure. Yeah. It's in pencil, though. Mm -hmm. It's not in That's pen right. yet. That's you know, right. he goes through different stages and steps, and then the highlighters yeah. come in yeah. and so forth. Yes. So very exciting times, as you can tell, in terms of the post-draft synopsis. Now, in all seriousness, the NFL schedule, that's something that we don't have to speculate about. It will be released later today. So tomorrow's show, we'll actually get to formally discuss it in greater detail and know where and when the Giants mm -hmm. are playing their opponents. But I think right now it's more interesting to get your perspective, Jeff. And I know mm -hmm. we tend to get into this conversation on an annual basis, but it's, it's always interesting because I think everyone, when they look at the schedule, prioritizes different things. Sure. Coaches, front oh, yeah. office executive players, even fans. But, you know, you've lived it, you've seen it, you've mm -hmm. done it, where you've had tons of years, the schedule comes out. So I'm always curious, okay, as a player, what are you noticing? What are you taking notes on? Or what are your bigger concerns on schedule release day? Well, right off the top, I just now this is from a punting perspective. I've told you guys this before. I always like to look when the schedule came out worthy. If we were playing a, a division that had domes or even the teams that are on their schedule, even if we weren't playing that division, uh, where the dome games were, where the warm games were. And hopefully the dome and the warm games were later in the season. That was always fun for me. And by the way, I think the players themselves think of the same thing because obviously you, you would hate to be playing in Miami the first game of the season. You would love to be playing in Miami the first game in December. Absolutely. You know? So um, the indoor games, same, same uh, philosophy, I guess. The other thing I look at is um, a lot of times, believe it or not, for the 22 seasons that I played in the National Football League, I only played one time on Thanksgiving. And that was against the Broncos, and we got shellacked. Oh, I yeah. mean, I absolutely shellacked. Yeah. And so um, I look at our Thanksgiving game. Um, rumor, you know, maybe the Giants will play on Thanksgiving this year. Who knows? But the fact is that I looked at that. Then the other one is Christmas. Where, where is Christmas? Where is it in, in terms of, you know, the holidays, a Saturday, Sunday, what have you? And are you going to be playing Christmas Eve on the road at home? Because those are times when you're with your families. And if you have young kids, that's sure. a big deal. Um, you know, for the older guys that have older kids, not a lot of them because most of this league is young. Uh, the fact is that you look at Christmas Day and Christmas Eve and see where you want to be on the road or at home for that. Um, and then I, then I would always just kind of see, like, what's our schedule look like? You know, how difficult is this going to be coming off of what you looked at last year, who the Super Bowl winner was, who was in the playoffs? Who, and then I think the big thing is your division. 
When are you playing your division games? I know that the league likes to set up the last quarter of the season. A lot of those division games, I think, will they still say, you know, keep suit with that? I would hope they do because I think that's That's been amazing. a trend, Jeff, over the last I few like years. I like it, though. Yeah. I, I think it's great because we really, when you look, look at it, especially in the NFC East, that's been a big deal. I mean, it's come down the last few years about those last couple games of the year. So those are just some of the things that I look at. Um, and I think everybody, like you said, Lance, looks at it a little bit different. But for the big picture, I, I think it's, you know, the strength of our schedule, who the first game is, because now whoever the first game is for the Giants this year, and we're going to find out soon, um, that now everything is, is built up to that first game in September. It's all against the whoever it is. We're, 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 we're building up for this game against whoever it is. You know, the last, the last few years, it's always been Dallas, right? I mean, I mean the Giants have oh, always, yeah. they've always opened up with Dallas, and especially on the road or something. So we'll see if that holds true this year or not. But I think that that's a big one. You want to know who that is. Well, that didn't happen is. last season. Not, they played not, the Denver Broncos, they, so they did mix it up a little bit. A little They're bit. But you coming know out saying? of their box a little yeah. bit. Yes. Remember, last, remember before that, though, it was always it was Dallas. Oh, it? it was crazy. There was a stretch of, I want to say, like six times in yeah. seven seasons. Seasons yeah, or it something was unbelievable. That, so yeah. those are some of the things that I think that, and you know, those are the players' perspective. From maybe from the fans' perspective, you're looking at kind of where you want to travel to, which games are when they are, and um, you know, you get excited about putting a putting kind of a vacation together if you're going to go look at some of these games. So it's all good. It's it's exciting, um, and it's funny because you know there'll there'll be leaks. There's already leaks, of course. Um, yeah, I was uh, Gary Myers put out a, something on Twitter today that I was reading about the fact that back when he was covering for. Uh, the Dallas Morning News, I believe it was the name of it. He said that they had they always had the schedule early, and they actually had a luncheon where they announced the Dallas Cowboys schedule at the luncheon. <laughs> so way before the NFL even well, announced it. Keep in mind though, Jeff, I'm sure during those days Twitter didn't exist. No, exactly. There yeah. wasn't as much technology, so they didn't worry about having a luncheon because you'd have to wait for the next day's paper to actually find out 100%, what was said yeah. at the luncheon. Yes. Yeah, and there's uh, yeah, there was no nothing that people could spread the word about. So that was interesting. Yeah, nowadays, my gosh, anybody just whispers it's out to a million people. Correct. The game has completely changed. I want to piggyback off of a few items that you mentioned, which I found interesting because you did bring up Christmas. Now, interestingly, Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. Oh, okay. Jeff, I don't know if you were aware of that. So Christmas Eve is on a Saturday. The reason I bring that up is the NFL already announced one of the Christmas games. Broncos are going to play the Rams, but I think there's going to be maybe two others on Christmas, Mm -hmm. but the bulk of the schedule, the reason I'm bringing it up, is going to be on Christmas Eve this year. So that weekend is going to be a very heavy Saturday day. And if you remember, if memory serves me correct, Jeff, the second Super Bowl most recent victory for the Giants, that was the Jets-Giants game. That was on Christmas Eve because they played all those games on Saturday since Sunday of that year in 2011, I'm referring to, was Christmas. So it's going to be somewhat similar the structure of the schedule, we're going to see at least the bulk of the games be on Saturday. So that's something to keep in mind. And then the other thing, when I was listening to your commentary, was let's just look at the Giants' road games here for a second. Mm -hmm. The teams that they know they're going to travel to. If you apply the logic of, I'd rather play the team there earlier or later in the season. I'm just curious because I think this is an interesting exercise. First of all, Minnesota is now a dome. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry. It really, it's irrelevant when Mm -hmm. you play Minnesota. That's right. Normally, though, you didn't want to play Minnesota in November and December. Now it makes no difference because they changed it. It's indoors. The Packers, you know, you're not going to Lambeau. You're going to London. And we already know that game is in week five. Okay. And that'll be fine. 
We'll yep. take that out. The divisional games, we know they're always scattered, but the bottom line is you're always expecting there's a chance you're going to go to Philadelphia late in the season. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to Washington. The weather could be bad. So that's not anything that you can anticipate. I think the interesting conversations, Jeff, is Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Seattle. Jacksonville, to me, falls under the category of Miami. Yeah, I would think you'd want to go to Jacksonville a little bit later in the season, Mm -hmm. correct? Because as you well know, if you get Jacksonville earlier in the year in Miami, the weather's just going to (laughs) be blistering. It's going to be miserable if you have a game in September or even October to a certain degree. It's not that comfortable there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in Seattle, Seattle, I mean, you'd like to get them early in the season, you know, because flying out there, uh, the time change, uh, it's dark. Um, it's cold. It's rainy. By the way, I'm, I know that October 15th until July 4th, basically, it rains. That's it. After July 4th, it doesn't rain until October again. It's just the way that Pacific Northwest works. <laughs> uh, and it's just it's so to me, I want to go to Seattle earlier in the earlier in the year when it's beautiful out there in September, October. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but, you know, that's a long trip, too. That's a long trip out there from from here. Oh, yeah. 100%. And again, now, the good and, news is, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeff. Say, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, the other one that, that I forgot to mention was I, I was looking at where our road games are and how far we're going. I, I saw the other day that the Giants are one of the one of the teams that traveled the most this, this year. They, they I think it was something 20,000 miles or more, and there might have been one or two other teams other than the Giants that are f- traveling more than them. So the Giants are going to be on the road for a, you know, a lot of times. They're far trips, a long ways to go. Well, the London trip doesn't necessarily help. So I guess so. It's going to add some. <laughs> Obviously, add, yeah, uh, pushes the numbers yeah. in favor of the yep. Giants. But all in all, Jeff, to just emphasize your point, there is some travel, but I don't think actually, I mean, when you think about it, outside of the division, you got Minnesota, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Seattle. So yeah, with the exception bad. of Seattle, you're really not going that far across okay. the country during the year. Yeah. Well, I'm just, it's that, I, I want to look it up, but it, I remember they Maybe, said are the you Giants- referring to last season or maybe the previous season? Because I know there was one year... What was it? it Maybe it was no. Well, last year they played some of the AFC West teams, so I think you may be referring to Jeff. Maybe it was last season you're referring to. Travels the most, and could have been the 2021 numbers. Oh, you know what? Maybe it was because how would they know? Well, I guess you would. Well, no, because if you were looking at a list, you're talking about total mileage. Then you probably were looking at the total from the previous year. And like I said, since they played the AFC West, that's two trips. You're going out to the West Coast right there, so. That would explain. Must have been last year. Yeah, I think it was 2021 you were referring to. The Seahawks are going to fly 29,000 miles in the Broncos, in the Jaguars, the Dolphins, New Orleans, Baird, and then the, the least are Pittsburgh. Detroit, but what is this Baltimore. list based on, though? This is the upcoming season, this what is, you're looking yeah, at? Yeah, this is 22. This okay, is so this is the upcoming year. Yeah, this is it. So um, let's see here. I, I'm looking here. I don't see that they don't have they only have the top five and the bottom five. So, well, you know what happened is I think the person that put that list together got bored after they decided that they're adding up mileage and it's not the most exciting activity (laughs) in the world. And you get through five teams. You're like, I don't want to do this for 27 (laughs) more teams. Why did I even take this assignment? (laughs) And by the way, remember, there's 17 games. So you got another. Correct. That's a lot of math and addition. Yes. (laughs) So for that right away, the guy's like, oh, wait, there's 17. I ain't doing this anymore. (laughs) I'm stopping at the top five. Correct. You get the point after the top five. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, well. So, no, but it's interesting when you talked about when you get road games. I think that's something that you could certainly take into consideration. You also talked about the weather and the holidays. The last thing that I'll throw out is the Giants do have nine home games this year. They have okay, eight okay. road yep. games, nine home games. Last year was the reverse. They had the eight home, and then they had the nine road. And I guess since we know the weather does get bad on the Northeast, is it perhaps advantageous knowing that you have nine home games if you maybe have a little bit more home presence, Jeff, later in the season this year compared to earlier? Meaning it shouldn't be a top-heavy schedule because then the weather's going to be relatively mild for all of your opponents. I think you'd rather have more home games later in the season. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... You know, as it as the season goes along, it's just you know it wears on you, and and part of what wears on you is the travel, and so you know having to go um, to the airport and the buses and then the hotels and the game and all that stuff, you know you want to have those at the end of the season. Plus, you want the home crowd. You know, if you're in if you're in somewhat of a competition for the division lead or to win the division, that type of stuff, you want your home crowd there. You want to be able to try to win because it's easier to win at home than it is on the road. Um, of course, in 07, we found out it was pretty easy to win on the road, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that doesn't always happen. So I think you want your home crowd with you at the end of the season for sure. Lance Meadow, Jeff Beagles with you here. Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. We're going to open up the lines here in a sec. Just a few reminders as we get going here on the program. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or... You can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash suites for this for more information. Let's open up the lines as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Lee is in Atlanta joining us here on Giants.com. What's happening, Lee? Hey, Lance. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. Good. Do well, Lee. What do you got for us? Yeah. I got two things I want to say really quick. I'm usually really quick. And I just want to comment. You guys were talking about the schedule for a while. I'm not – as long as I know who we're playing, to me that's one of the bigger things to, to, to know when we're playing them. I just don't want to start 0-2 again. If the Giants can – find a way to win the first and second game for the first time in years, that would be baby steps. That would be enough. But um, I wanted to reference um, listening to you guys, listening to, to media and everybody else. I know we speculate because we talk about Dable and, and Shane coming from Buffalo, and everyone assumes that, that they're just going to take Buffalo and bring it to New York. I personally am hoping that he has a plan for making the Giants, you know, unique and, and utilizing the personnel that we have because it's pretty different from what is up there in Buffalo. I don't think Buffalo has a player as talented as Saquon Barkley is on offense on their roster. I think if he can find a way, and he should as a professional football coach, to utilize the talent level of that type of player in whatever way he sees I just don't want us to try to mimic everything and we try to draw comparisons with McKissick and, and who else, whoever else is on that team to, to Robinson and, and Tony because it's easy to do and that's all we have to draw on. But I think it would benefit us if we utilize the talent that we have on offense especially 
with Barkley, Galladay, uh, uh, did I say Tony for Buffalo? I think I did. I made a mistake. But I just want him to be unique, and I think Barkley is a great player. Injuries you can't predict, and this offense has a great chance to be explosive if um, if he finds a way to incorporate that and bring back 2018 Barkley rather than just, you know, try to bring what they did in Buffalo with that kind of, you know, shotgun, spread offense, motion, and, you know, I just, I just hear it a lot, and I hope that the coaches have a different plan. I want to make a statement about the tight end. Well, with respect to your first point, I mean, I think it goes without saying, Lee, that he's going to have to take the Giants' personnel and then cater the scheme to their strengths because you're right, you're not bringing over Buffalo, but you're also not bringing over Josh Allen, who's an extremely unique talent, and everybody else is going to feed off of Josh Allen in Buffalo. Now they're going to have to feed off of Daniel Jones. And I think the player you were referring to that we brought up was Isaiah McKenzie, not J.D. McKissick, who was thinking about signing with Buffalo and actually went back to Washington. I think the reason why we've brought up those as means of comparison is just if you look at the style or the build of the player. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is our point when Jeff and I have had conversations or other hosts. It's not to say that they're going to run exactly what they did with McKenzie or Stephon Diggs. It's that, okay, Dable has had a similar type of player. This is how he incorporated him within the offense, so maybe we can understand why they were attracted to Wandell Robinson or Mike Kafka working with McCole Hardman. That's why he would be attracted to Wandell Robinson. That's really the gist, Lee, of the conversation with respect to why we maybe make some comparisons to Buffalo personnel, but I'm with you. He can't just uplift Buffalo and bring it over to East Rutherford, New Jersey, and think it's going to work just like it did going back to how they finished their season last year. No doubt about it. Agree. And my quick point on the tight ends, um, I wish I wish Evan Ingram the best. I know you guys like to defend him on the show, uh, especially when he was here, and we used to, as fans, just kill him every week. But I, I think we can officially say that that pick was a bust. He's a great guy. I don't know him. But in the bubble of football, in that context, he was not productive here. If he turns into an all-pro in Jacksonville, I'm happy for him, but I'm still glad he's gone. And I'm just, I want the whole flex athletic tight end experiment that we have tried over the years with Larry Donnell, Adrian Robinson, Travis Beckham, and so on to just be over. And I hope that Bellinger and the undrafted rookie free agent kid from Nebraska, Allen, can win spots, throw some blocks, hold some blocks, catch a five yard out, turn it into, you know, first downs or, or third and three or third and one. And I just want that whole flex thing to be be over. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, Lee. Appreciate the phone call. Well, I mean, I, I think that you and I, Lance, kind of got to think about, you know, what kind of offense is coming in here. And when you look at Knox up there in Buffalo, I mean, that's the type of tight end position you're going to get here. You know, that that's what it's going to be. Um, and I think that the other the other positions are going to where you're going to get your most mileage out of, and that's those short guys, Kadarius Tony. Okay, and I mean there's going to be some playmaker. They're going to get the balls, and your tight end is not going to be one of those guys that's going to be your big playmaker in this offense. It's just not going to be. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I mean, I think we've talked about this multiple times. I can't emphasize it enough. I think it's going to be a piecemeal production plan for the mm-hmm. tight ends. Every week. I think 
Yeah, yep. the snap counts are going to be spread across the board. I don't see them leaning heavily on one individual. Now, to the caller's point, maybe that's what he's yearning for because he said he doesn't want necessarily the one guy who maybe is a pseudo-wide receiver being the guy they lean on, just get back to the fundamentals, block, do the small things. And I think if you go back to Buffalo, and once again, you look at Kansas City a little bit, though they did lean very heavily on Travis Kelsey, so maybe that's not the best example. But Buffalo, yeah. at least, it was a variety of different tight ends. And even Dable, when he spoke to the media recently, Jeff, after the draft said, I mean, there were games late last season where they only had one active tight end and they were utilizing five wide receivers. So yeah. I think that's more of a reason why he's not banking on the tight end needs to be the savior on this roster. And you always got that other offensive lineman that can be that other tight end sure. so in those big packages. So I think that the, what I'm looking for in this offense is, is kind of the big playability. And just like I said earlier of with Daniel Jones, you know, get him some protection and get him some playmakers, and then we're going to see how Daniel Jones can run a football team. Because right now, uh, when you're looking at what, you, on paper, what you have offensively, this offense has drastically improved in the last three or four months, when you think about it. It really has. And so that's exciting. That's very exciting. And, and they're not going to ask Daniel Jones to try to do a whole lot here. You know, just go out and win some football games, but use what you got to your ability. You got guys here. You got Kadarius Tony. Okay, you got Robinson. You got all these new guys. Uh, let's get the ball in their hands. Saquon is healthy coming into. You know, a lot of times we haven't talked a lot about Saquon this year. He's got a lot to prove, and he's healthy. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And he's got an improved offensive line to run behind. Um, and then he's also got some other playmakers on this roster offensively that he doesn't have to be the guy to make all the plays anymore. That's going to be fun to watch. Well, he's in the final year of his rookie contract. So that alone provides some motivation. But once again, I think it'll also be interesting. And I know you kept referencing Jeff on previous shows and correct me if I'm wrong about his receiving production his first year when he had over 90 receptions yeah. I just I don't know with the other guys that you were just talking about that are around him I don't know if he's going to be able to That's obtain those stats just because I think it's going to be more of spread the wealth type of mentality and if you look to get Robinson involved out of the backfield or dump it off to him if you look to do the same with Tony to me that's going to eat away at some potential dump offs to Saquon yeah, a hundred percent. I just think you know, I don't don't think he's gonna get ninety because there's no way he can. Um, but so so he gets sixty. I'm okay. Get him get him sixty times catching the football. I'm all right with that because you know the playmaking potential. Um, and wherever you line line him up, he's gonna be able to have to be able to have the ability to make a play. And the other team's gonna have to respect that. Um, not to mention all the other guys are gonna line up on the line of scrimmage too. So it's just gonna be fun. And I think the creativity from Mike Kafka, uh, obviously that Andy Reid, his system and the way that they draw up plays and now granted they've got a guy that can make those plays at the quarterback position, but I don't think they're gonna ask Daniel Jones to do some of the things that Patrick Mahomes does. But I feel from a creativity standpoint and from going from one, you know, with using a lot of shifts and motions. I think that you're going to get some matchups where you're going to be able to exploit the defense with some of the weapons you have offensively. Well, and the shifts in the motions, I think, could certainly present some obstacles and maybe free some guys up yeah. for additional touches. Just to give you an idea, I'm bringing up the Bills' numbers last year, the running backs. Devin Singletary had 40 receptions on 50 targets, and Zach Moss had 23 receptions on 32 targets. So the running backs in the passing game, this is just had a total of 63 receptions. And then, see, Isaiah McKenzie is more of a 
jack-of-all-trades type of player, yeah. a little bit of a running back, a little bit of a wide receiver. He had 20 receptions. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to include him in there. And then Matt Breida had seven receptions. So okay. neither one of them, okay, of those two, Breida and McKenzie, are a little bit more versatile than the first two I mentioned. But the conventional backs, you're talking about 63 together yeah. between Singletary and Moss. So to your point— Jeff, if Barkley gets 60, 60, I think that's certainly, it's feasible and it would be reasonable if you want to look at it through that lens. But you're also operating on him playing probably 15 to 17 games under those circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that there's going to be some ebb and flow there. I think there's going to be some times when he doesn't, you know, maybe has one or two catches a game, but then one game he'll have, you know, seven or eight, maybe. You know, it's just like, again, I think every game presents a different type of, personnel matchups and where they can use these guys. And sometimes they may not be able to use Saquon Barkley the way they want to against X team one week. And then instead they're going to use Kadarius Tony in a, in a better capacity. Maybe Galladay is going to have the, the ticket that game or Shepard or whoever is going to play, you know, they'll, they'll divvy it up a little bit, but I feel like, you know, 50 touches in the passing game from Saquon. I'm, I'm okay with that. I really am. Let's head back to the phone lines David is in Florida, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, David? Hey, fellas. How are you? Good. Doing very well. How about yourself? What do you got for us? I'm good. I'm good in sunny Florida. I have, uh, I'm curious about Aaron Robinson um, and him, his stepping right in. You know, it just seems to me ordinarily a third-rounder could easily be uh, slated to step in, but we have our hesitancy because we haven't seen much of him. So my, And then I look back to you know, our draft that we just had and we drafted these guys in the third round. And, you know, after that, I feel a lot of us may feel that we drafted early, hoping obviously Shane and, and, uh, and Dave all know a lot more than everybody else. Um, but that brought me back to Robinson and how he was kind of predicted into the draft a few years ago or whenever he came out last year or the year before. And if he was like early on schedule compared to what was, you know, I, I just want a confidence feeling that he could just step right in and, and that's, the way it should be i'll take that off the air all right appreciate the phone call well i think that aaron robinson like the rest of the players is now learning a new defense so there's a learning curve with respect to that as far as his expectations coming in jeff i think the biggest issue for aaron robinson was the fact that he missed half of last year Mm -hmm. because he had core muscle surgery he was on pup and he didn't make his debut until the second half of the season. So Aaron Robinson doesn't even have a full rookie year under his belt. He's going to need to play the first six or seven games this season to say that he got through a rookie year. It's very similar. You know what Robinson reminds me of? Xavier McKinney in year one, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Remember, McKinney played the last six games, and then he didn't really put together his full rookie year until he got midway through or even more than that in this past season. So with Robinson, it's not a matter of the lack of confidence. It's the fact that he himself has a very small sample size. And here we go again. Now he's got to learn another new scheme in the span of as many seasons. And sometimes that's a lot to throw on the plate of a young NFL player. Yeah. You know, baptismal by fire. (laughs) Yeah. That's what's going to happen because now that uh, Bradbury has gone, I think he's your guy that I would think that would be the obvious choice to be the next cornerback uh, other than Dory Jackson. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to stay healthy and he's going to obviously going to have to earn his job. But I don't, you know, see, I don't know 
unless they're, you know, you look at the free agency market, I don't think it's, it's, it's that saturated with really good cornerbacks. So I think that you are probably going to say to yourself, I'm going to pencil in this guy to be my starter unless, you know, somebody you know, plays better than he does. And we get another veteran cornerback to come in here and press him for a starting position. But um, there's, not, there's no substitute for experience in this league. And, you know, the more you're on the field, the better you become. And long term, when you look at the way that this Giants roster is being built and this team, it's a perfect time for a young, all these young guys to get their feet wet and get some playing time in the National Football League because this team is, you know, they're not going to, from what we think, is they're, they're, it's going to be, they're not going to be one of the best teams in the National Football League on paper. We know that. So this has got a little ways to go. But I think the more time you can get some of these younger guys in there to play, the better off you, the future is for your football team going forward. And he's one of the guys you got to get in there and play. Well, and I think overall, Jeff, you want to play these young guys. It's interesting. I was having yeah. this conversation with Paul about a day or two ago, and it's possible they bring in a veteran free agent. Remember, money plays a role, but I don't think that's crazy. But I would say even if you bring in a veteran free agent, I'd rather the snaps go to Aaron Robinson mm-hmm. and – Darius Williams mm-hmm. and Jaron Williams, whoever's on this team, Darnay yes. Holmes, Cordell yes. Floppy, because if these are the guys that you use draft resources in over the last few years, the only way you're going to be able to tell whether or not they're part of your future is A, by playing them, number one, and B, since all of these guys were drafted between 2020 and 2022, they all have very few snaps overall. So if you bring in a veteran to jump ahead of them, then to me that comes at the expense of developing them and getting a better idea of what Great they can point. do. And I'm not talking about Jeff in practice or the preseason. I'm talking about in actual meaningful regular season games. Well, even even in those, even in the two that you mentioned, the practices in the preseason game, you still want your your young guys to get reps. So you got a veteran guy in there who, you know, what's he in there for? Because you, I mean, I, at some point in time, you got to have a lot of confidence in the guys that are on your roster, right? And if you do have confidence in those guys, you got to play them. And you're going to go through some, you know, ebb and flow here. Some things are going to be good one day. Some days are going to be bad. And, and, you know, one thing about the cornerback position, as you know, they got to have short-term memory. You know, so those young guys got to learn the game that they're going to get beat. There's not a, a corner in the world that's never been beat. Well, maybe Daryl Revis, but, I mean, for the most <laughs> part, they're, they're all really good. And, but the receivers are just as good. The quarterbacks are good. So they have to be able to get in there and get the reps and play. And that does, does come from practice, training camp, and in these preseason games. Well, and here's another thing. If they're going to be relying in Wink Martindale's scheme uh-huh. on cover corners, okay, guys that are going to be left out on an island and say, hey, you better know your assignment. You better handle your own. It's more of a reason you better start developing these guys fast, Jeff, okay? Because, right, (laughs) as Wink Martindale continues to implement more and more of his scheme, if he's got to continue to play catch-up with getting these guys ready, then you're going to be playing behind the eight ball, okay, all throughout the season. So it's more of a reason why play the young guys early, get them comfortable in the scenarios that you're going to put them in so by the time maybe you get to the midway point of the season, they will be a little bit more battle-tested. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we know that the offense is a little behind the defense when the season starts in a new system. So, you know, looking at these guys, the, the cornerbacks, I mean, as far as schemes and, you know, Wink Martindale's system and things like that, I mean, when you look at corners and safeties, probably safeties have a little bit more responsibility because there's some of them are in the box. They're, they're covering tight ends. They're covering slot guys. I mean, the cornerbacks, they, they're really – their job is to is – to, Defend the run when it's a running play and cover when it's a cover play, right? I mean, a passing play. There's not a lot that they have to learn from a schematic point of it, but that it's they're on an island. 
<laughs> and they have to be able to cover, especially in this defense, because Wink is going to want them to play a lot of man-to-man -man coverage. And so that's where they're going to have to get most of their reps um, in practice and be, be able to become very dependable. But, um, you know, because and that's why I, I, what I'm trying to say is the offense, that's where the, you need all 11 guys to really run the system offensively. And it takes a little bit more time because I think there's a little bit more, uh, what would I say? Like, I think in, in football and defensively, there's a little more freelancing, even though I don't like to use that word because it sounds like you're just not paying attention to what anybody's doing. But I think it allows you to play a little bit more looser. Where on offense, you've got to execute. You're, you're depending on these, the right guard pulling for you and the guy kick the tight end kicking the guy out and all the other things for the running back to have a, a place to go. Same thing with, with, with uh, throwing downs. You know, you gotta you gotta have the protection. You gotta have a lot of things working offensively. Where defense, I think you can you can kind of make some plays when sometimes you're outside of the scheme a little bit. Yeah, especially if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation. To your point, right. where you're not right. revolving on 75 other factors <laughs> influencing your job. Yeah. Whereas on offense, to your point, if the quarterback doesn't have the protection, or the running back is out of position, or the wide receiver doesn't run the right route, then all of a sudden, all hell is going to break loose. Yes. So I'm with you there. No, I think yep. that's a good example in terms of the differences, especially when you have two sides of the ball all implementing new schemes. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. We got Adolfo in Queens joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff. <laughs> Live. What's happened, Adolfo? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Um, stationed in Virginia. I just want to first and foremost thank you guys. Uh, I remember being stationed over in Iraq and being able to access you guys through Giants.com. You guys have no idea what that does to us out there. Uh, nice. Being able to. I appreciate you guys. Definitely. Well, we appreciate your service. First of all, thank yep. you, and thank you for religiously tuning in. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to touch on. Uh, Wandell Robinson, I think a lot of the older callers are making a big deal. Um, you know, the, the Paul Dottinos of the world, uh, kind of looking at the wide receiver, the prototypical big guys and stuff like that. I think we got to listen to what the NFL is, is saying as far as the draft, um, picking these fast guys. I know a lot of people like to call them gadget players. However, you know, I think like, you know, Tyreek Hill and the way that the NFL is moving towards and just getting the ball out and getting these athletes the ball in space. I think it's very important that we pay attention to that. I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with our pick with uh, Cordell Flott being a lengthy, uh, yeah, a little undersized uh, cornerback. However, you know, he's lengthy, he's fast. Uh, I think that's very important that we pay attention to where the NFL is heading as far as getting these ball, the ball out to these athletes and letting them do their job. Uh, I just want to know your take on that. And uh, one question really quick. You guys in the media, I know I've been watching a lot, and um, everybody's talking about the energy and the building and stuff like that. What do you guys in the media see as far as the energy of the new coaching staff and the new GM? And I'll take it off the air with that. All right, Adolfo. Appreciate <clears throat> the phone call. Jeff, you want to yeah, well, hop in first? I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm, uh, Lance doesn't have a chance to get around the facility all that often. I'm down here twice a week, so I'm seeing a lot of the energy and, and what uh, Coach Dable is bringing to the, to the table here. I mean, he's, he's an energetic guy. And, you know, it's kind of just everybody just takes on the personality of the coach sometimes. And I feel like there's a lot of energy in the building. I think there's ever since the draft has been finished up, I think people are really excited about the, the, the team, the way the direction it's going, how Joe Shane has taken this organization and really has put a lot into it in the small time that he's been here. And I think that everybody in the building is just kind of looking as the glass, the glass is half full here and that there's that the, the trending in the right direction now. These guys haven't even been on the football field yet. They haven't played a game yet. But I think that overall, 
the perception in the building is that it's very positive and energetic, and that comes from the top down. And I think that Joe Shane and Brian Dayball are those two guys that have been able to put their imprint on the organization in such a short time that everybody's buying into it, which is a good thing. And I think that's natural when you have new individuals come in, right? Usually that is something that coincides with excitement. But, you know, once again, at the end of the day, when they start playing games, <laughs> yeah. that's when we separate the men from the boys. Right. And right. you can tell me all you want about environment this and environment that, but it's all about does it transfer actually out onto the field and does it yield results? Because, Jeff, you said yes. earlier, right, yes. this is a winning product that you're competing mm-hmm. for, right? It's all about the W's. That's what separates everybody in terms of whether or not you're going to be outside on your own island or also whether or not you can maintain stability in your job. It's all based on producing the W's, especially since the Giants have struggled in that department. The first question that the last caller put out or statement, I should say, was about Wandell Robinson being the prototypical new type of player or the perfect example of the evolution of today's game. And Jeff, I'm curious where you stand, but I would say there are three things that to me define today's NFL. It is athleticism, speed, and versatility. Those are the three characteristics. If you were to have me pinpoint, what is every team looking to showcase? Mm -hmm. Especially when you look at these players that are difference makers, you could get them out in open space, good luck. Or versatility, meaning if you could have a defender, as we were talking about the secondary, where you feel confident, but a guy can match up very well with a wide receiver or a tight end and he could play safety slash linebacker, that is an unbelievable luxury in today's game. That's why all teams are trying to get a player that fits that bill. So what Wondell Robinson is, he's an athlete, check. He's clearly a speed guy, check. And he has versatility. So Mm -hmm. he fits all three of those characteristics that I just threw out there because like anything else, they believe, and Kentucky, I think, definitely emphasized this, that when you get him in favorable matchups, it's going to be very hard to bring him down. And if you can create a headache or a challenge for the opposing defense where they don't feel that they have one guy that could slow somebody down, or even, Jeff, when you bring two or three individuals into the equation, that there's no guarantee they're going to be able to tackle him cleanly, then that is defined as a game changer. So Wondell Robinson is an example we could bring to the fold who is in-house here with the Giants, but there's tons of other players that you could point to On other teams, Tyreek Hill is another guy, right, that comes Mm -hmm. to mind. Speed, versatility, athleticism. And Mm -hmm. now, of course, he's on Miami. But those guys, we see what they can do with one big play completely change the outlook of a contest. And as a coach, you're looking for those three characteristics because you want to be able to – and the other thing is availability. A guy that stays on the field is another thing that's important because, you know, all three of those things, they do nothing if the guy is not on the field They get canceled out, essentially. Yeah, so I think that availability is is one of the characteristics. And and injuries happen, but I think over time, you kind of hopefully that you find somebody that that has the ability to stay on the field. But I think that also from the standpoint of, you know, when you look at at Robinson – I got I to gotta think of a depth, some depth here, right? I mean, look at Sterling Shepard. Is he going to be back full, full go this year? Will he, will he be back next year? If he's not, then all of a sudden, you know, now you've got Kadarius Toney and Robinson both replacing a player like, like in as far as like a slot receiver. But I feel like, you know, when you draft these guys, you're drafting not only for those three things that you said, Lance, but you're also drafting, you know, for some depth at your positions too. And I think that's important. One hundred percent. Well, also, you could throw in Kenny Galladay, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. once again, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but what's his long term future on this team? Remember, he was not brought in by the new regime. 
And if you look at the structure of his contract, there may be some wiggle room in a year or two. And maybe they want to go in a different direction. I'm not saying that any of that's going to happen. We're just throwing that out there. To your point, Jeff, if you're saying you're drafting a wide receiver and you're keeping in mind what the future of that position group looks like, Shepard's injury history, Galladay's contract, mm-hmm. Tony being a little bit banged up, and Darius Slayton also, you know, his future and also him being a little bit banged up last year. We talked about this all offseason. It wasn't crazy to say the Giants were going to look to add a wide receiver based on the circumstances of that room. It wasn't as if you said, okay, it's a finished room. Don't worry about it. They've got seven guys deep, Mm -mm. and they don't have any room to add new talent. Completely disagree with that. Yep, and I I think that, you know, you look at injuries, that's a big part of that. It's just like, I mean, mean, you look at that wide receiver room. When you, I think it was, was there, I don't know how many snaps they had where they were all together on the field at one time. Um, That's including Ingram, too, in that. It's, it wasn't a lot. And so I think that, you know, at that position, and here's the thing about the, the, the speed of the game today, okay, it comes with a little bit of, you know, you got a little, when you're fast, these guys are very, the things that you said, Lance, agility, you know, speed and versatility. Well, these guys train at such a high level and they're such great athletes that remember, they're running like, you know, 110% on these routes all the time, they they can only handle so much. And so there's going to be injuries at some of these positions like wide receiver, cornerback, they're constantly running and they're going up against guys that are running just as fast as they are. And so the game has changed that way. So it really is important to have depth at those types of skill positions because there's going to be injuries no matter what you look at. There's no, there's no receivers or, or, or cornerbacks on both sides of the ball, the, all the whole rooms is play every single down. They don't. They just get hurt. It's just the nature of the beat. It's what happens. And so you got to have good depth at those positions, which, by the way, comes in handy when you can draft well. And that's what you're seeing. I think the Giants are starting. When you look at the Giants draft pick, go down and look at where they really needed to find some depth, and that's where they, they drafted the offensive line. That was the most position that they drafted, right? They need depth at that position. And then all of a sudden now they're drafting some of those other players at those other positions, the tight end, you know, the defensive end. There's kind of It goes downward. We need some depth at those positions, and that's where we go to the draft for it. And you then need to develop those players once well, you draft them. Yeah, that's and you're, the other part. And then, then that falls upon the coaching staff. And how you're going to coach these guys and then, you know, how quickly they can turn around and, and be, uh, you know, something that you can really rely on on Sundays. And, and that's where you if you got if you got a rotational system in that defensive line, that means you got some good depth at there. You know, it's those guys can rotate in and out and you're not worried about putting the first the two guys in and then putting the other two guys in because they're you know, may, they may not be completely equal, but you have good confidence that that rotation can work for you. But that only comes from having depth at that position. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Bob in Myrtle Beach. Bob, Hello, welcome Bob. to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, just a quick comment regarding the secondary and a quick question for you guys. Um, obviously, I think you know all Giants fans had an idea how this um, James Bradbury situation was going to play out. Um, I was one of those guys uh, during the draft when we were on at 36. I was obviously jumping out of my chair because I thought we were going to take uh, Andrew Booth Jr. and be off that at corner um obviously uh, that didn't happen and uh, we're in the situation we're in um i had a quick question for you guys about some possible uh, vets who you might think be might be good to bring in um i did want to get your reaction to something uh at valentine wrote on a uh, big com uh suggesting a possible reunion with uh landon collins at safety and then moving 
Julian uh, Love, the cornerback, to compete with Robinson. Um, he mentioned, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, Collins coming off an injury might be a little low cost. I mean, as you can see, uh, Jabril Peppers signed with the Patriots for only $2 million. Maybe we could get lucky um, with a Landon Collins reunion. I uh, just want to give you guys comments on that. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, what I think about is the fact that right now, I think they're okay at safety, where you've got some young guys that you want to get on the field consistently this year. Mm -hmm. You want to add Landon Collins as sort of an insurance policy, but I'm not playing Landon Collins necessarily ahead of McKinney and Julian Love. You also drafted Dane Belton, who I think is a versatile player. So between those three... I just I don't necessarily look at Landon Collins as a necessity guy. See, if Landon Collins, to answer your question, Bob, if he was somebody that had experience playing in the slot and was somebody that you really feel good about covering deep down the field, maybe there's some value in that. But since Landon's strength is more of down in the box, I don't really think he offers you anything that the guys currently in the mix will provide, especially in Wings' defense when coverage is so important. Gotcha. And uh, did you guys have any um, thoughts on who might be a decent um, possibility to bring in here? I mean, I know Jack Rabbit Jenkins is also a free agent too as well. Well, see, the problem we're going to have there is that this, this team doesn't have any money. And so I'm on, I know that, you know, you're talking about maybe somebody coming in on a minimum salary. Um, but I, I think that it's going to time will tell on this one, you know, because as you get into training camp, you're going to see what your roster looks like, how these other young guys are competing. And then all of a sudden, then you're going to decide if you're going to want to go out and get somebody. And then you just got to figure out if you have the money to pay them, you know, then, and it's going to happen, whether it's with the Giants or any other team. That's just the, that's what happens at the end of the training camp when guys start getting hurt or your roster just isn't, doesn't seem like, you know, it is what, what you want it to be. But, however, this goes back to what Lance and I were talking about earlier. I, I think you just got to kind of you just got to kind of muddle through it, right? I mean, you got to get these guys some playing time. And eventually, they're, you know, they, they may not look great right now, but you want to develop them so as you're moving forward in the progression of your team and building it that, you know, next year and the year after that you're going to be able to compete. It's just I think that right now you just have such a young roster that you can't expect much. I mean, I could give you a few names that are out there that certainly are veterans. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm glancing at the list now, Bob. To answer your question, you've got Kyle Fuller, the former Chicago Bears and Broncos corner. He's still out there as a free agent, so that's a guy with a lot of quality experience. Xavier Rhodes, who was with the Colts last season, longtime member of the Vikings, another quality veteran. A.J. Boye, who's been in the league. He was last with Carolina. So, I mean, those are three guys that fit the bill of quality veteran, exposed to a variety of different schemes, experience. Could the young guys learn a lot from those three guys? 100%. So, I mean, those are three names, but I think, A, it comes down to money. And then, you know, once again, I'm not bringing in a veteran, as I was talking to Jeff earlier about, that is going to take away valuable snaps from my young guys. I'd rather go through the growing pains of getting the young guys out there and learning from those mistakes than having a corner jump ahead of them because you have these dreams of grandeur of competing and taking away from the development of the young guys. I think the development of the young guys needs to take priority. Yep, yep. Right on. Got you guys. Thank you very much. Hey, you got it, Bob. Appreciate the phone call. Another guy, as I'm looking through the list, Jeff, that I just want to throw out who I believe is also a free agent is Chris Harris Jr. 
member of the Broncos and the Chargers. So I'll throw him into the list too, another guy. Now, keep in mind, all of those players that I named, none of them off the top of my head have any ties to Wink. So, you know, you're bringing in somebody that doesn't necessarily have a grasp of the Ravens playbook, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable in terms of their skill set. So for those of you scouring the free agent market, there are quality veterans out there. It's just a matter of, A, what are their expectations, Jeff? Because, see, this is the other thing that we need to look (laughs) at it from, and it, it goes back to the James Bradbury conversation, which we were talking about earlier in the week. You may really like a player, but a player may have other options where he could get more playing time. He also may have a more attractive destination. All those guys I named are on the latter stages of their career. They may be thinking more about, I want to go to a contender. I want to go to a team that I think has a realistic shot to win the division, get to the playoffs, go on a run. They may not be saying, I want to come to a team to be a mentor to groom young guys. Yeah, remember remember the old thing that we used to talk about when we were in training camp a little bit, and the veterans, they're like, I'm not going to training camp. I'm going to wait until the last week of training camp. <laughs> then if somebody yep. wants to sign me, then that's where I'll go. That you know, the names that you mentioned, those are all in, those guys all fall in that category. They they you know, they don't they yeah, can you use training camp? But yes. But I mean, if you're a veteran guy, you don't really want to go through training camp. It's just it's a grind and you put in the the mileage you already have is playing in the league as long as you have. If somebody wants my services, they'll wait till the end. You know, and then it'll take me a week or two to get in you know, in shape, and then I'm, I'm, bam, I'm out there for the, the minimum. But if I'm going to play for minimum or I'm going to go to a contender, then I'm going to wait and see. I'm not just going to put my name in the hat and say, here, guys, grab me. I'm coming in right away unless you really are desperate that you want to go. But I think a lot of these guys will have a chance to, to get into a, a camp somewhere at the latter stages of training camp. That's usually what happens. Sure. The other part of the equation before we wrap up that I want to throw out, which is related to what you were just talking about, Jeff, There could be the mindset in the Giants' front office right now. We have all of these young guys here with us for our spring workouts. We're going to have mandatory minicamp. Let's take a very close look at what we have. Let's see how we feel. And then you get together as a staff after the spring workouts, and you say, you know what? This guy flashed a little. We like how we could utilize him. Or maybe you have a conversation. You know what? Our expectations weren't necessarily met. We're a little bit concerned. We may need some help in this area. And then... You know, come June or July, and you're going to be on break at that point anyway, so you're not going to bring in a player. But then maybe you start to talk to the agents and have conversations with prospective free agents, and you bring them in, or you have a conversation. You say, hey, training camp starts. We'd like to extend an invite to you and come in, compete for a job, and we think you can fit into this area of our defense. I wouldn't be surprised if the emphasis is, let's see the young guys. Let's see what they could do over the next few workouts. That's definitely what it is. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, remember, there's always guys, veterans in this league, towards the end of training camp and things like that, that are going to get released. There's going to be June. Does the June 1st thing work anymore? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, normally, though, what happens is they normally release guys before then and then designate them, Jeff, as June 1st cuts. And by the way, more often than not how it works. June 1st is right around the corner <laughs> so you know i mean i feel like there's going to be guys available after training camp is over and there's going to be some you know cuts made where that's when teams will look around and say hey you know what i could use a six foot two corner a, you know a guy that plays press man i either here we go we, he got released from whoever you know let's try to put a claim on him or or whatever you have it and maybe bring him in then yeah so i mean i think that's 
pretty much what the philosophy may be in the mindset. And, you know, right now the emphasis is on let's work with the guys on the roster, see where we're at once we break for that month and a half before the start of training camp. So that is going to wrap up Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back up and running again tomorrow, Friday at noon Eastern, and we'll actually have a schedule to look at and break down. So stay tuned for that. And we'll continue to move forward with also rookie minicamp, which is going to get going, we should mention, tomorrow. The players are going to start reporting today into tomorrow, and then they'll be on the field over the course of the next few days. So we'll cover that as well as the schedule on tomorrow's program. We appreciate everybody listening. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we will speak to you on Friday here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.